Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. In this week's episode of the podcast, we wanted to focus on the UK art market. There's been a lot of attention focused on various art market geographies recently, but it seems the UK market may be losing steam. One reason is that years later, we're still observing the consequences of Brexit. So in this week's episode, we chat with Arun Kakar, art market editor at Artsy. Arun wrote a great article recently identifying some of the key ways in which Brexit is still impacting the UK art market, and he's kind enough to join us to chat about it. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Iran, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much for inviting me, Adam. Pleasure to be here. Of course, it's our pleasure. So you wrote a great article in RT's editorial section about where the UK art market stands today and really what are some of the consequences of Brexit that we're seeing now years later in the art market there. But really, even if we look outside of the art market and just the economy as a whole, I think Brexit's impact on trade and a variety of markets is quite complex and somewhat opaque. What would you say are some of the ways that Brexit has had an impact and made things more difficult for galleries and other art businesses to operate in the UK? Sure, yeah. Um, in a way, it's it's kind of bizarre to still be talking about Brexit. It's been more than half a decade since the vote to leave the EU. Um, but yet we still find ourselves here in, in 2023 talking about it. And I think the art world in the UK is tired of talking about Brexit, but it also is a thing that they can't ignore because Brexit has made um, business a lot more difficult in a legislative way, a bureaucratic way, and also in a broader macroeconomic context, context which is affecting the UK art market. So some of the main ways that I kind of pull out instantly are the cost of moving goods to and from the EU. So when the UK left the EU single market, it meant that European sellers who formerly could bring works into the UK without any consideration for costs are now subject to a 5% levy. And that's on to- that's not to mention a number of other issues such as shipping, handling, which in some cases can make work more than four times as expensive to move between the UK and the EU. And we saw that between 2019 and 2020, UK cultural goods exports plunged by 47%, which the UK government attributed to the pandemic. But now in 2023, we're seeing the impacts of the pandemic and the impacts of Brexit begin to diverge a little bit. The UK economy is forecast to have the worst performing economy in the G7. We're forecast to have a worse performing economy than Russia this year. Um, And I think the cancellation of Masterpiece Fair, which takes place at Chelsea Hospital in the summer, and also the Art and Antiques Fair in Olympia, which also takes place in the summer, they are still having an autumn edition, highlight a number of those cost aspect issues that international dealers and exhibitors are also finding. Both cited uh, reduced demand from dealers and exhibitors to come to the UK and spend a lot of money, a lot more money than they're perhaps used to on holding the fair or on taking part in a fair. And I think those kind of aspects as well are just some of the ways in which the art market is still getting to grips with Brexit all this time later. Um, so yeah, it, it continues to be the, the sort of uh, the story that keeps on evolving. I have noticed that in a lot of circumstances when Brexit is covered by the media, 
a large focus has been on galleries and other businesses and how they're operating there. I haven't seen as much focus on collectors and even artists. You touched on that in your article. How are these groups being impacted by Brexit as well? So some of the collectors that I spoke to for the piece, uh, one of whom is quoted, mentioned that the process had become more cumbersome. Uh, this is a European-based collector speaking. It's more cumbersome and has led to more logistical issues. Often work is blocked sometimes for months at a time from being able to get shipped over. And that, I think, affects the way in which galleries and can actually access shipping at a cost-effective way. Margins are very thin. Um, and in terms of artists, um, so as well as the free movement of goods, which I mentioned um, earlier, the other thing that also ceased to exist in its uh, previous fashion was a free movement of people, which came to an end. So say, for instance, um, you're a gallery with multiple sites and you have an exhibition in a gallery in Paris and you wanted to move that exhibition to London before you could like easily swap around the staff that were dealing with that exhibition. But you can't really do that in a seamless way anymore. They can't sort of come up with a uh, come up and pitch up at London for a couple of weeks or months. But now they're subject to visa requirements and they have to be entitled to live and work in the UK anyway. And this goes for artists too. So those who would like to come over to the UK if they have a residency or something, uh, there's still ways in which you could do that for specific visas, uh, creative industry specific visas, but it still creates an element of difficulty. Uh, and I go back to that point from the collector about the cumbersome nature of it. Um, it just means that they're happening less often. Um, it means that they're becoming more difficult to do. Um, and yeah, it, it is kind of, it is affecting them continuously. And on a macro level, if we look at the UK art market as a whole, to what extent has Brexit had an impact on its actual position as a market within the broader global art market? Are we seeing other countries and regions maybe benefiting and growing their markets, perhaps as a consequence of Brexit? Sure, yes. Yeah. So the figures from the 2022 Art Basel UBS Global Art Market Report last year showed that the value of art and antiquities imported into the UK in 2020 was down by $2.1 billion. That's a third from 2019. Uh, and that's imports also fell a further 18%, which is half the value, almost half the value of 2019. And what that means basically is that Britain's share of the global art market is at its lowest in a decade, according to most recent figures. So that's the immediate statistical impact. And that encompasses a number of a number of different things. Um, I think the the British reputation for stability in political politically has been threatened by recent developments uh, with the British government, who have just recently installed a new prime minister. Um, and I think that's shaking confidence. But also we're seeing, as you mentioned, other countries beginning to kind of pounce on new opportunities that are coming as a result of Brexit. And the key example for this is France. Um, so the, the the big highlight in the, in the French art calendar last year was the inaugural Paris Plou Fair. Um, and that kind of was the big moment where France was re-announcing itself to the art world at large. And many people I spoke to who went to both Freeze in London, a fair a couple of weeks before, and Paris Plou the week later, um, said that the atmosphere anecdotally was a lot more positive and there was a real sense of a power shift beginning to take place. France has also, in a legislative sense, passed new laws to modernise the regulation of the French art market, uh, simplifying things for collectors and dealers. Um, 
they're also broadening the scope of auction sales. Um, so they're allowing auctions to sell intangible goods such as NFTs, uh, all aimed at modernizing the French auction market. And we're seeing spaces like House of Work as well set up shop there too. Um, what I would say as a note of, uh, just as, as, a, as a note of uh, uh, caution here is that EU trade only represents around 20% of the UK's art market. So it, it, that's not insignificant, but it's it's important to note that I, I don't think amid all this kind of negativity to to, to say that uh, the, the, the British Britain will cease to be a significant art capital anytime soon. Um, our reputation for stability is under pressure, but we have to remember that uh, London has the institutional power in its art schools, its galleries, its artistic heritage, its museums. Uh, a Donatello exhibition, for example, has just opened up at the Victoria and Albert Museum, which has the largest collection of Renaissance artworks outside of Italy. Th those aspects will continue to make Britain a significant global player in, 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 the, in the art market, in the art world more broadly. But I think it's important also to, 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 to say that this is Brexit might it's not quite as as uh, apocalyptic as as, it, as perhaps uh, some might think. Yeah, I was going to say, it's really interesting. Several years later after Brexit, we're seeing a lot of the ramifications of that policy in the markets and how things are operating. So if we look at things today, entering 2023, what would you say the mood is like in the UK as a result of all this and seeing the ways that Brexit is still impacting things? Does it lead to pessimism or is there, or are people still pretty optimistic about the market and how things are going despite some of these lingering issues? Yeah, I, it, it's strange because I think everyone in the UK, whether you're in the art market or, or not or in any industry, is just fed up talking about Brexit. Uh, it's, been, it's been the kind of elephant in the political room for Britain ever since. 2016, which is a long, long time. And it continues to be a story that has new developments. So whether that's something to do with the Northern Ireland Island Protocol, which is a debate happening in Parliament right now, or other aspects of Brexit, whether there's a kind of movement to reverse the vote, it is going to continue to weigh heavily on British political discourse. And in the art market, I think that sense is very acute. So as I mentioned at the beginning, dealers are fed up of talking about Brexit, but they can't ignore it. And that's the kind of tension that exists with many people in British in British business right now. Um, I think I think there are shards of optimism. I think the British art market is is resilient and has taken a resilient attitude. I think a recent case in point is two of the original founders of Masterpiece, which was cancelled the third, uh, um, last month, are launching a new event in the same slot and at the same Chelsea location. Um, and I think they're positioning that as being something, you know, we're not, we're not, you know, Brexit isn't done with us yet. We're still, we're still going, we're still going to continue to do it. And, you know, you can still, you, you go to opening, you see events happening around London all the time. Uh, the art world is, is, is still very much uh, carrying on and not letting things like this uh, drag it down. And so what are a few things you'll be monitoring within the UK art market moving forward to gauge to what extent Brexit is having a continued impact on the market. Sure, I think the 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 the, the general answer to that is is keeping one's ear to the ground. I think um, the cancellation of masterpiece last week, last sorry, last month, excuse me, um, and the Art and Antiques Fair is a case in point of a new development happening as a result of 
pre-existing factors. And so that it, it, there's always will be events and happenings like that where Brexit is kind of rearing its head again. Um, and so keep an eye out for that. But I think one of the kind of high level things that um, is important to notice is, 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 is how the distinction between larger multinational galleries and smaller galleries begins to um, develop. So, for example, if you're a large multi-site gallery, um, you operate around the world, you have teams in-house that are used to dealing with paperwork and admin and all of that kind of stuff. You have the financial resources to make those things happen. You know how to kind of uh, operate in a global context. But that's very different from a younger upstart gallery whose margins are very thin, um, who has to do the paperwork themselves. Um, and that is that will be something that's interesting to see. In the UK as well, we have had the anti-money laundering uh, directive legislation, which means that galleries now must uh, go through even more paperwork to, to and do more due diligence. So we're seeing that kind of workload affect those smaller galleries and as a high level kind of view of it it'll be interesting to see how how that continues um and how that how that burden is is kind of uh, absorbed into the kind of normal functioning of of, of um the art world and, and market happenings um of course it's it's uh it keeping an eye on paris is another thing i think these legislative changes uh and recent developments are really worth keeping an eye on um and yeah, it'll be really, really interesting to see how with freeze coming up this year, as kind of demade London Fair now, what what um what that kind of looks like in the second half of the year. As we mentioned before, with Britain's broader economy looking set for a pretty rough ride. Aaron, thanks so much again for coming on the podcast and helping us dissect this complex issue. If our listeners haven't checked out your writings on Artsy, I definitely recommend they do. And you're also on social media commenting on the market where can we find you there uh you can find me on linkedin i think yeah i uh, that, that would be fantastic just my name l-u-n-k-a-k-a-r perfect thanks again thanks adam pleasure to be here